Ion 2020 episode 152. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Ian here, the host of Ion 2020, bringing you all the news and related events all week for the election cycle. I went ahead and produced a couple of shows right after the debates uh, the last two nights, so I appreciate you listening to those. Uh, great listenership during those debates, I think. Uh, right after, I mean, for the the debate recap shows that I did, there's great listenership, which is which is phenomenal. I appreciate you. If you are keep on coming back uh, and listening, you do that by subscribing as well. But if you're one of those that listen to those two recap shows and then you come back today i appreciate that as well sometimes those uh numbers look good for the first couple days after the debate uh but then no they they tend they tend to wean off afterwards a little bit just because uh people seem like they must be interested in what other people have to say about the debates um just to i guess just to get a recap of what happened because they probably didn't watch the debates on their own and at least they want to get some kind of uh some kind of overview of what happened during the debates i don't know uh, but the numbers always kind of spike. I think it's like it for every show. I think Tom Woods had mentioned that he gets really good, sh- you know, numbers from his show, and he's probably the most listened to libertarian show out there. So I've seen that as well with my show that those that those numbers do spike a little bit. But thanks for coming back. If you did subscribe to the show after listening to those two uh, debate shows, and I will make sure that I'm putting out excellent content for you Monday through Friday. I've been doing that for the last seven eight months now actually it's i'm on month eight now actually because it's uh, it's august right and i started this thing back in january that just the very beginning of january is actually the day that elizabeth warren started started her campaign is the day that i decided to start the show as well and that was the first show that i did if you check out the first show it was really rough. It was my first time doing any type of podcasting or anything like that. I feel like uh, i've figured out some of the some of the sound issues i've figured out some of the other issues as well that go on with putting together a podcast and i've been main into ma- managing to put out a show monday through friday every day since then so i uh, appreciate you listening though go ahead if you can subscribe to the show and then give me a, if you like what you hear give me a five-star rating and review as well i'm going to keep this show uh short and to the point today and the reason why is because uh you know working really hard on the show's last couple nights and it's been a little bit of a challenge and i'm to be honest with you guys i'm exhausted you know uh, staying up late, I usually go to bed like around 10 o'clock every night. Uh, I'm an old man and uh, staying up till like midnight, uh, 12:30, working on that, and then going to work and doing my full day, normal day gig as well. You know, I'm no multi-millionaire podcaster by any means, like some of these other guys are, uh, or perceived to be, I guess. And uh, actually, none of them are multi-millionaires. I'm just kind of, I kind of joke around about that. Uh, I do have my nine to five and, uh, you know, get out there and sell, sell, sell all day. And I got to stay on top of my game with that. So 
Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit exhausting, so I'm going to keep this show kind of short to the point today. You can follow me, though, IonTheEmpire.com, and if you type in IonTheEmpire at any of the websites, uh, like Facebook and Twitter, you'll be able to find me there as well. And if you want to email me, rate at IonTheEmpire.com, uh, if you want to communicate with me about the show as well. Uh, you can also support the show if you really like what you hear, and you can do that at anchor.fm slash I on 2020, and right there you could do support levels of 299, 499, 99, 9.99. Uh, I think you could do, uh, you know, whatever type of support level you want to do as well. If you want to do less or more than that, I would appreciate that. Uh, go ahead also, and uh, like I said, subscribe to the show. Anybody hear what, what's going on tomorrow? But anyway, guys, let me jump into the basically the recap of the debates. Okay, overall, there was not a lot of fanfare from both nights of the debates like I feel like it was the first debate the first night of debating was more they were able to really looking at CNN and the way they put it on I felt like they were really able to distinguish these socialist people versus the more moderate candidates right and they were able to pit them against each other and really get the conversation going on the second night of debating I don't feel like they did they did a very good job of that uh, but it was two separate debates. I mean, it was uh, the way that they went down. Like, the second night of debates, it was everybody trying to find their attacks on Joe Biden. And it actually allowed the moderators to direct everything towards the attacks on the different people as well. It was like Joe Biden was getting beat up on both sides. And then Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris was getting beat up on both sides as well. So that was kind of the overview of those debates. That's kind of the highlight of it. And that's what you see on a lot of the news stories as well. But there was... You know, some people that came out better and there's some people that, you know, did not do themselves justice by the entire debate process this time. But overall, I don't think that you see a lot of movement in the numbers from these candidates. I do think that you see a little bit of movement in Kamala Harris in the sense that she'll probably lose a little bit on the polls because she just didn't do that well. You're going to start seeing some of the candidates drop out as well, I would imagine. I just imagine by like early next week, you'll see a few people kind of just say, you know, I'm throwing the towel in, I can't do it anymore, uh, this is not going to work for me or whatever, I don't know. I mean, they're going to send their support to somebody else. If they're more moderate, they'll send their support towards a moderate candidate and so forth. But we'll see how that goes. I just, and somebody, I heard somebody on one of the talk shows, that I, or one of the podcasts I listened to, they said that they don't think that anyone's going to get out until early January. I just, I, I don't agree with that. I think that, I mean, you already saw one person get out, that uh, congressman from California dropped out after the first debate. Uh, this one, since there's only seven people that have even qualified for the next round of debates so far, you're going to, I mean, that's 13 people that were in the debates plus three others that were not even, didn't even make the debates, and they think that they're going to be able to qualify for the next round of debates. You might see five, six, seven of those people actually qualify for the next debates, but you're not going to see all 22 or 23 candidates that are in the, uh, in the election, you know, that are running for the Democratic nomination. You're not going to see all of them even make it. Uh, to that number to get into the next debates, right? So a lot of those people are probably just going to drop out, throw in the towel, send their support, behind find the best candidate that they can think of, and then move on from there. Uh, that's that's what I assume is going to happen. 
And I kind of mentioned that, you know, last night a couple of the people that I thought were going to get out of it. But you're going to see a lot of, like, these governors and these guys that are just congressmen. Some of the less popular candidates, they're going to get out. But obviously, Elizabeth Warren will be there. Obviously, uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't go anywhere yet. Uh, you're not going to see Joe Biden go anywhere. You're not going to see Kamala Harris go anywhere. You're not going to see um, Cory Booker go anywhere. And then a few other. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, he, I mean, he has just a ton of money, guys. So he's not going anywhere either. And But he didn't, I mean, he's he was not a highlight of the debate either. Even though he seems reasonable to the Democratic voter, he seems like he's trying to toe the middle ground. And he has a ton of money behind him. He just needs to be able to figure out how to get himself uh, onto that debate stage with less people and maybe he'll be able to shine. But, I mean, he's he just has a ton of money. And I like I've always said, I think that there's something behind him other than just this... Uh, idea that he's some mayor from South Bend, Indiana, that, or whatever, but uh, anyway, moving on, though, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the debates, because, th- like I said, there was not a lot of action on them, I mean, it was it was hard to watch, if you're a Democrat, I think all you did when, when you came out of these debates is you thought to yourself, yeah, maybe Joe Biden is going to be our guy, you know, Kamala Harris, she kind of fell apart, Maybe they're looking at Cory Booker a little bit more. Um, maybe they're looking at a few other people. But other than that, I mean, I think... Also, I think that Elizabeth Warren probably beat out Bernie Sanders on the whole. Who's going to be the furthest left candidate? So uh, we'll see how that goes as well. But anyway, moving on. I wanted to mention something. So something happened over the over the course of the last debates as well. And it probably didn't hit the news as much as it should have. But... The Fed went ahead and did another rate cut, and they said that they're going to go from, I think it's 2.5, 2.25 to 2.5% is their target rate, down to 2%, up to 2.25% is the target overnight rate. And by cutting, this is what happens, guys. When the Federal Reserve increases the interest rates, the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to manipulate the economy in a certain way. Same thing when they lower the interest rates. They're trying to manipulate the economy in a certain way. So when they increase, that means they think that the economy is going strong. And they think that in the future, they need to increase the interest rates in order to spur more savings, right? And also get people to stop spending as much, which is going to help to control inflation and people won't spend as much money. It's because more people are spending the more that, inf- that consumer inflation happens, right? Um, and they're trying to slow down the economy in a little bit ways. Now, when the economy is starting to go down, when this, when things are starting to fall apart, or when they predict that there's going to be a slowing in the economy, then they will lower the interest rates. They'll do the opposite. And the reason why they do that is because it'll spur people to take out more loans. It'll cause them to have lower interest rates when they do borrow and that'll cause businesses and consumers to go ahead and ideally spend more on capital improvements, on capital goods, on credit cards, and things like that. So by them doing that, they are signaling that the economy is slightly weak. But they weren't saying that, but when they, when they actually did lower the interest rates, they did not say anything about the economy being weak. So it's kind of like a change of policy in that way. Now, the problem with that is this. 
if the economy does start to go down, if, if, the, if we do start seeing a recessionary pressures and so forth, then they're not going to have as many tools in their tool belt in order to uh, fight off the, 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 a, a depression or a recession, right? They're not going to have as many tools in their tool belt. That usually they would start cutting interest rates aggressively. So it used to be, before the financial crisis in 2008, I remember... And some of you guys might not remember this because you might be younger, but there was a time where I was able to get like, I think I was getting five and a half percent interest on my savings account at a bank. Today it's like point point one percent or something like that, and or point two percent or something. It's like something that's crazy low. Uh, you can't make any money off of it. I think I, I can't remember. It was like four or five percent of my savings account. Now this was like one of those preferred savings accounts. It's a little bit higher interest rate, but still a normal interest rate was, or a normal bank account was getting like two and a half or three percent interest rate at this time. And nowadays they get nothing. So it just it just blows my mind that we're in a situation where the Federal Reserve, when the economy is supposed to be going good, when things are going okay supposedly and when in, when uh unemployment rates are low and so forth that they're going to cut the interest rate it just to me it doesn't make sense um i've heard people say oh well now they realize that you know things are different and there's a different relationship between unemployment and interest rates and all that stuff so they can cut rates lower but they're not going to have the tools in their tool belt now i think that this monetary policy that they have of trying to manipulate the economy is a bad thing anyway i mean that's just social engineering of the economy which is a challenge in my mind i don't think that that's okay for the federal reserve to do I think that there should be no Federal Reserve, to be honest with you, being a libertarian. Um, we tend to believe that you shouldn't have one corporation, basically, that has a monopoly on printing money, a monopoly on the banking system in general, and the borrowing and the lending and so forth, right? So they should not have that ability. And then our, and then it also allows our federal government to go and spend as much money as they want to because the Federal Reserve guarantees to buy all of those T-bills that they, the treasury bills that the government issues, and then they get that money and so forth. So if you want to get into that, read read the book uh, End the Fed by Ron Paul, and you'll, you'll love it. Uh, but it's just a scary policy that they have, and I don't think that it was a good thing that they're sitting there manipulating things, but I, I, I also think that we're probably heading on a slippery slope in some ways where we get into the point where there's, you know, the interest rates continue to go lower and lower. Um, and then you have people that are borrowing more and more. And uh, it's it's going to cause some kind of bubble in the sense, you know, people are going to be more in debt than they should be. Uh, businesses and corporations are going to be taking out more debt than they should be as well. And all that debt has to be paid back in some way. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Now, I've always thought this, though, with retirees, I'm all over the board, so I apologize. But um, with retirees, with the with like the way the amount of retirees that there are that are turning 65, right? The baby boomer generation is the largest generation, and they say that there's recession or there's deflationary pressure because of the fact that the baby boomers are retiring. When someone retires and they're 65 years old, they're going from making a bunch of money to having to live off of their savings, right? So they're living off of the interest on their savings in some way. And that causes them to go from spending, let's say they're spending on average $50,000 a year, 
well, a retiree goes to, now they have to be really conservative. They go from spending $50,000 a year to spending like $20,000 a year. And when you have 10 to 20,000 people per day retiring that go into that situation, it's going to cause less money being spent. Velocity of money starts to change. And then you start having deflationary pressure on the economy. So with all these retirees that are retiring, then you're having that deflationary pressure. So by the the way that the Fed is acting is actually normal in that type of situation that they there's deflationary pressure so they're trying to figure out ways to create inflation if that's their goal is have 3% inflation and by to do that they have to continue to lower interest rates even to the point where it's negative in some ways uh, that kills the retirees savings because then they're forced in order to live off of their savings in order to live off the interest in the dividends of their savings they have to go from investing in bonds investing in something that's slightly more riskier than bonds like let's say fortune 500 companies which then inflates the stock price right of those fortune 500 companies which in turn creates a bubble in the asset bubble um that's the breakdown in it from from my perspective so the 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 interest rates with the amount of people that are retiring, it's going to cause them... Because what's happening is the retirees are, are retiring. They're selling all any stocks that they have. They're turning it all into bonds, which causes the bond interest rates to go down because there's more demand for bonds, right? Uh, it's easier to sell the bonds. And then that causes those people that are buying the bonds in order in order to make any money off of it then they have to turn around and buy more assets and uh, that causes the asset bubble when they're buying all those fortune 500 companies uh that gets a little bit too much into the weeds but i'm just saying that um the federal reserve is acting rational in that sense by reducing interest rates but it's not normal in the situation to reduce the interest rates i think that they should just leave it be you know um let markets determine the interest rate, not some Fed policy, is what I'm saying. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was this. Um, so I was going to make this show a little bit shorter, and I, it's going a little bit longer than I thought it would, but I will go ahead and talk about the last thing that I want to talk about. Trump, like he does every single time, right? Every single time there's a debate, anything else, any single time that there's something that happens where the Democrats are going to get the limelight for a second, he's going to say something or do something that is going to cause that limelight to get off of the Democrats and back onto him. It'll happen probably today. He does have a big thing going on in Cincinnati, Ohio, I think. Um, A big rally going on tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you'll probably hear something, uh, you know, something over the weekend, I guess, that's going to cause the media to go into an uproar over Donald Trump. And uh, that's just a normal thing that he's going to do. So you'll see it um, because he has to get the limelight off of the Democrats and back onto him. He has to control the media. And as long as he continues to do that, it's going to, it always benefits him as well. And, uh, but there wasn't, like I said there in the earlier, there's not a lot of things that really came out of this debate. So Maybe he won't have to do that because there's not going to be a lot of limelight going on to this debate in the first place. Uh, Although all these people that were on the debate stage last night and the night before that, they will be, um, they will end up being on like the Sunday shows and stuff. But uh, if Donald Trump can really just say something crazy on, you know, Friday night or Saturday, right, 
he's going to be able to uh, control what the media is talking about on those Sunday shows and for the rest of the week after that as well. Uh, but you can, you can mark my words, something will come out over the weekend that's like something that's controversial that he says in order to create that. So, hey guys, go ahead if you can, subscribe to the show. I appreciate you bearing with me on this show. I was kind of all over the place, and I do apologize. Uh, I just wanted to get a few specific topics out to you guys today as well and cover those things that I talked about. So, uh, thanks for joining me, though. Go ahead and subscribe, and again, give me a five-star rating and review if you can. And then what you can do after that is I'll take the weekend off, but then come on back on Monday and you'll have clear vision for 2020. I recently got a voice message from Rachel, who actually is the host of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. You guys might want to check that out. It's a really great show. It talks about the healing effects of cannabis. Uh, she sent me a voice message. If you guys wanted to send me a voice message as well, you could do that. You go to anchor.fm slash ion2020, and there you'll be able to leave me a voice message if you want to. But uh, I really like her show, so you should check it out. But here's her voice message, and I think I'll respond to it right after, uh, right after I play this as well. Hey, Ray, this is Rachel Kennerly. I just watched the video of Tulsi Gabbard torching Kamala Harris about her record as the prosecutor in California. That was awesome. I wanted to like stand up and applaud. So I'm excited to hear your take on it tomorrow on your recap of the Democratic debates. Enjoyed the episode today, or I guess technically yesterday, since today is now August the 1st. So I enjoyed episode 150. Looking forward to listening to episode 151. Keep up the good work, man. Yeah, Rachel, that was a great interaction between Tulsi and Kamala Harris. Uh, Tulsi really did torture pretty bad. And I thought it was really good that she went after her on the marijuana issue because uh, Kamala Harris really did smoke marijuana while she's prosecuting people for using marijuana. Absolutely sickening. It shows the hypocrisy of the prosecutors that are out there that are doing that, as well as it shows the hypocrisy of, of you know, any politician in America that is against the against the legalization of marijuana, and then they're willing to, you know, prosecute people for that. And then the other one that really struck me is when she talked about the death penalty and how uh, Tulsi Gabbard was saying that Kamala Harris was trying to keep evidence from coming to light that would have exonerated people that are on death row of all things that sickens me that a prosecutor would do that but they do it all the time in america and uh but at least she was able to shed some light on that and hopefully a lot of people saw that and saw kamala harris for what she really is just a flip-flopper and somebody that is just trying to obviously get get elected into the office of presidency i mean that's really what she is so uh yeah that was a great back and forth and I'm, i appreciate you sending me a voice message on that uh i i certainly do i really love hearing what my listeners are talking about and especially when it's coming from somebody that has a great show like yours 